It is me, Anna, and welcome to the first episode of my podcast, Your Favorite Young Adult Bookworm. I intend to give you a review and say some comments about young adult books. In this first episode, as you might have seen by the title, I am talking about The Red Queen by Victoria Aveyard. Just a quick disclaimer, I am just giving my opinion, please do not take offense to anything I say. I am just a book nerd who loves to talk about books and whose friends are over young adult fantasy books, so I just decided to talk about them and post them on the internet. I hope you enjoy listening to me talking about this book and please feel free to leave some comments to let me know if you thought the same things while reading the book or if you did not and thought something else or whatever you really want. Okay, now let's talk about the book. So basically, I am going to retell the story and add comments. So, you know, for those of you who have not read it, maybe it's not a great idea to be listening to this. Now, the book takes place, if I am not mistaken, it was a little confusing, not gonna lie, in what I believe is our future, although I am not quite sure, since they also seem to live in like the Middle Ages, with all these dresses and all the court things that they have going on, so I'm not quite sure. In this futuristic world, humans have evolved. Well, some humans. These humans have silver blood and they also have powers, like controlling fire or water. Silvers are aristocrats. There are some powerful silver families and each family has some colors designated for them. Therefore, it feels like the Middle Ages, even if it's in the future. Silvers have all the power in the government and they oppress the Reds, the normal humans who did not evolve. I wonder why the rats, they like didn't die with natural selection or why they did not mix with silvers to have powers, you know, like why don't mix, <laughs> you know, it doesn't make sense. That is one of the plot holes that bothers me the most. The story is narrated by Mary Barrows, a red. She lives in a small village. She's 17 years old, like any good first female lead in a book and she, well, Mare, she earns money by robbing, you know, that's, you know, the best way to do it, <laughs> but well. Uh, Mare lives in the country, Norta, a country in this futuristic world that is at war with the Lakelands, uh, that it's another country if I'm not wrong. Her older brothers are at war and her younger sister works for the Silvers. She also has a best friend, Killorn, who, oh my god, he is a pain in the ass. I think it was the character that I despised the most during the entire book. Not even freaking Queen Elara. Mary's always trying to protect Killorn as she has always has since the death of his father and this guy is just so dumb as you will see and he's just so freaking impulsive and he gets angry at Mir for the stupidest things and basically his attitude is always like Mir you can't protect me I can't protect myself and you cannot be happy nor love silvers because that is basically betrayal because they are silvers you know He's so exasperating, I swear. He does not bring anything to the story. The only thing that he brings is annoyance, for me at least. 
And well, story short, Mary gets in trouble trying to save freaking Killorn to go to war and gets her sister's hand blown by a silver. She can't confront her parents after that, so she goes pickpocketing, you know, the usual. And she ends up pickpocketing a random guy who happens to be this super sexy silver. But this silver, he's different. When she looks at him, there's this fire in his eyes eyes and that is when you know this is the main guy here yes and obviously we know he's either royalty or someone super important because he's our main guy you know it will not be a good cinderella story without a prince charming he gives her some money and he asks for her name the next day the guards take her to the castle where she's going to work as a servant since apparently this stranger hooked her up for a job in the castle. She later realizes that her savior is obviously Prince Carl and that the fire that she saw in his eyes, well is real fire since his power is controlling fire, so yeah. This just reminds me of the cartoon Avatar, you know, like when they said everything was good until the Fire Nation attacked. Why is it like always fire the one in power, you know, like the power who has, like who is in power, you know? I believe water is more powerful, but whatever, this is not important for this story. Mare happened to, uh, she happens to arrive the day of the Queen's trial when a bunch of important ladies showcase their powers and the most powerful one gets to marry Carl. In the middle of Evangeline's presentation, our main mean girl, I don't know how does this happen, it is quite confusing, but Mary's about to die, and out of nowhere she has electricity coming out of her hands. Many things happen and the royal family decides that the best thing that they can do right now is to make her pass as a lost silver girl from an important family and that she will have to marry the second born prince. Maven. At this point, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so annoying because it is quite obvious that Cal is a main guy, so I'll have to suffer until something happens and she can marry Cal and not the brother. Ugh. She gets introduced to the rest of the Silvers, they announce her future marriage, and Cal proposes to Evangeline, who obviously is a bitch, so we do not feel bad when Cal ditches her for Mare. I am quite frustrated that the author did not talk much about Evangeline, though. She just says that she's mean and that she keeps acting like an asshole, but we never really know why she is like that. But well... Time goes by, Mary gets trained to be a lady and control her powers. She has some interactions from time to time with Maven and sometimes Cal. Maven is super sweet all the time with her, but she keeps telling to herself, I shall not feel good feelings towards him nor Cal because they are royalty and they are silvers and they are evil because of their silver blood and they do not understand my pain and i was like girl get over yourself you're literally in a castle with no friends no allies these guys are nice to you can't you just accept it can you just stop whining for a second and throughout the first part 
of the book, at least, she keeps complaining and complaining about the princess and how they must be so bad and evil when they have been nothing but kind to her. It is so freaking infuriating. Jeez. Oh, and I forgot to mention, but she got a sign guard, Lucas, who will escort her everywhere. I like him. He's just so nice. I wish he will have had a more important role in the book, but well, it did not happen or will happen in the second book since the author got into a Game of Thrones killing spree at the end of the book. So no more Lucas for us, sadly. Turning to the story, Maven arranges for her to go visit her family. Cal takes her and uh, to see her family, and she sees her family, and she learns that Shade, her ultimate favorite brother that she keeps mentioning, so we all know he is important, is dead. And she loses it, and that's how her family learns she has powers, because she almost kills everyone, because he, she just loses it. She can't control herself, but then Freaking Killorn arrives and helps her calm down just with the sound of his voice. And whiny little bitch Killorn is mad that she has powers and returns to pretend to be a noble lady. He annoys me so, so much. But before coming back to the castle, she stops by Will's house and she becomes a member of the Scarlet Guard, a group of reds that want to overthrow the silvers and make the world a better place where reds and silvers are equal. How nice, isn't it? This reminded me a lot of the Hunger Games, not gonna lie. More things happen and Fairly, who seems to be the head of the operation, arranges to meet with her in secret in the castle. And in that meeting, surprise, surprise, motherfuckers, Maven joins the Scarlet Guard. I did not see that one coming. That is when I started suspecting Maven though. He was being way too nice and good, you know? And Julian, one of Mary's instructors, told her he is his mother's son because he is the son of the second wife of the king. Carl's mom, Corianne, died when he was a toddler. Oh, well, died, you know? And Corianne happens to be Julian's sister. It is also pretty obvious that Julian is a nice guy, so I thought he's probably gonna die or he's gonna get killed, most likely, since he's one of those characters that is way too good as a mentor, so obviously he must die for a character development, you know? And well, in the meeting with Fairly, Mir asks her not to let freaking Killorn joined the Scarlet Guard, but obviously it is too late. He has already joined and he comes out of the bushes just to let us know. Killorn was, was like, stop trying to protect me, Mare. And Mare was like, I can stop protecting him. And I was like, oh my God, I am so sick of this dynamic. I just can't stand Killorn. But I must admit that the girl trying to protect this guy was quite refreshing since it is always the guy trying to protect the girl. Killorn Loki gives me the vibes of Gale of the Hunger Games and of Jacob from Twilight. They all have in common the fact that I cannot stand them. After freaking Killorn comes out of the bushes, Mer is like, okay, the cameras are coming back, we need to return, and freaking Killorn says, and I quote, 
Mer, at least say goodbye. Like, what the actual hell? What is his problem? I just can't stand his attitude. Oh my god, I am so sorry, guys. I know I keep complaining about him. Some of you might like him, but I just cannot stand him. If you do like him, please leave a comment explaining why. Maybe it will help me not hate him so much, and I might even change my mind about him, but... I'm not that sure. I just really, really dislike him. Like, really, really dislike him. As you can see. <laughs> More things happen. And Mir starts training with the rest of the young adult noblemen and noble ladies. Evangeline asks to fight with her in the arena. They are into fighting one-on-one -on -one in the arenas. They mentioned that since the beginning. That part of the book was really good. And even if Evangeline is a bitch, she is also badass. Carl gives Mare some advice, but even then Evangeline obviously wins. I mean, she has been training for her entire life and Mare has just been training for like two weeks, so obviously she was gonna win. And Maven must intervene before Mare bleeds in front of everyone and her secret is revealed. I just do not understand why they didn't tell Evangeline that Mary's a red. I mean, she's going to get married to Carl, so why didn't they tell her? It is obvious that she dislikes Mary, so you might as well tell her before she makes her bleed in front of people. And yeah, she does not, not like Mary, but also the queen can torture people with her mind, so I don't think Evangeline will be stupid enough to reveal the secret. But whatever. More things happen, and every time Evangeline is next to Carl, Mary says she has this feeling she can't quite explain. Jealousy. That's the feeling. I do not know why she does not know what feeling it is, since she says that she has experienced jealousy before towards her sister. It might be because she can't like the princess because they are sailors, you know? They don't understand the suffering of the Poor rats, you know, rich people, they don't understand pain. They're like, pain? Don't not know her because I am rich and I am better. So what is that? Don't know her. Don't know that. That's how Mary thinks they think at least. Well, now, going back to the story, there is this ball happening in which the Scarlet Guard is going to kill four important people. Um, Maven had given like them the names of these important people because they want to hurt the kingdom and whatever. And since Mary is supposed to be super bad at dancing, Carl comes to help her out to practice every night before the ball. And one and like well, one of those nights, like he kisses her, and this dramatic bitch goes like. I quote, just like that, I betrayed Maven, myself, and my cause, but I don't want to stop. These horny teenagers, I swear. But then I was like, they haven't even really spent time together, and now they are telling me that they are kissing and that they are feeling, they have feelings for each other. They're like big, strong feelings. Like, They've been practicing every night, yeah, but that is all the information that we get. We just know they've been practicing like every night, but that's it. They don't like the author, well, Mare, the narrator doesn't tell us like what happens in those sessions about just the kiss, you know? So, 
I do not know where these feelings come from. She apparently also likes Maven. And I am like, okay, sure, I guess. Like, it is obvious there is going to be a love triangle. But I feel like the author doesn't give us enough material. Mostly with Carl. Like, I knew since the beginning he's the main guy. But they don't interact that much. So I could not really root for him nor anything. She shares some, mo- she shares some like, more moments with Maven. So... And, like, he's really sweet, suspiciously sweet, kind of the evil prince from Frozen, you know? Like, he was giving me those vibes. Since he appears more overall, I was rooting more for him. And I forgot to mention, but Julian tells Mary, I don't remember quite, like, when, since she keeps bringing that up, like, all the time, just like her dad, dad brother, you know? Um, that anyone can betray anyone. So obviously there was going to be a betrayal at the end. I was just not quite 100% sure who was going to betray her, but I knew there was a backstabbing scene coming at the end of the book. Anyhow, the ball night is finally here. It goes south and Cal captures the rebels. Cal tortures fairly in front of Mare, that makes her love for him turn into hate. But she low-key still likes slash loves him, yeah. She gets Julian to help her make the rebels escape. Julian needs to escape too before they find out he helped them. He leaves Mare uh, a list of others like her, more powerful than silvers, reds and silvers together. Her late brother appears in that list. This just confirmed my theory about him not being dead, you know? You don't mention someone so much for them to be dead. The royal family moves back to the capital of the country. Mary goes to a meeting with Fairley at the Scarlet Gardler that is in the city that is supposed to be really contaminated, but it is not. This sounds just like District 13 in the Hunger Games. Mary tells her and Maven about the list. They plan a coup. They just need a general to help them. Maven says they should use Cal because as everyone knows, he says, when it comes to choosing between Mary and the rest of the world, he will choose her. To this, I was like, mm, okay? They keep saying, yeah, he loves her. And I'm like, what the actual hair? Since when? 60 pages ago, wasn't Mary saying she should not feel sorry for him nor Maven and now she says she used to love him but now she hates him and loves Maven? They have barely interacted and they are talking about love? I don't know. I'm not buying this love story. Sorry. The day of the coup arrives and surprise surprise Cole does not choose her and then apparently Maven was working with his mother all this time we realize it is Elara who assassinated Korean Cole's mother she also makes Cole kill his dad cold blood right there since she can't control him with her mind powers and this is when the Game of Thrones killing spree starts Mary's shook with this plot twist and I was shook too but not surprised since Julian said Maven is his mother's son and let's not forget anyone can betray anyone she basically basically like says that every chapter like I'm not kidding she says it all the time so like you knew something was coming and it came and well 
Um, so, and yeah, like, Maven was way too good to be true. Beware of nice guys, guys. Just saying. And well, Maven sends Marin Call to the dungeon. They blame Mary for seducing Call and convincing him to kill his dad. In the dungeons, Mary realizes how stupid she was. Call hates her now, but Loki still loves her. Um, Maven comes to visit them, and it's clear that he does have feelings for her, but he's a psycho, and she spits on him. So obviously, the only right answer to that is to kill her, you know, like he says, I'm gonna kill you. Um, so he's gonna kill her even if he lost her because he can't admit it and he does like he does not know how to love clearly. The emblematic phrase from Jace Hirondale from the Mortal Instruments, great book series, you should go read it if you have not. Well, that phrase came to my mind at that moment that like the phrase is to love is to destroy how poetic now i must say that even if maven is twisted as hell i loki i still like dig him you know like nothing like a tortured soul that loves the main girl a tortured soul that is also evil and psychotic so he tries to kill her instead of loving her like an actual normal person because he doesn't know how to love her i mean i was not team stefan or team damon on the vampire's diaries i was freaking team klaus so obviously i was going to dig maven and i must admit that when Maven visits her in the dungeon and tells her that she just needs to say it and he will make her his red queen, I swooned. Like, I swooned. I died. I know, I have issues, but I bet some of you out there felt the same way. I can be the only one. And well... It's execution time! They put Cal and Mer in the arena. They restrict Cal's powers and there's a silencer. So like they are restricting all Mer's powers. They are up against many other silvers. Evangeline is one of them, obviously. And she is ready to make Mer suffer since she hates her. I still don't understand why. Maybe because she stole her spotlight in Queen's Trial? Queen's Trial is such a funny name. It reminds me of video games, you know? Like, I can help but read it in my mind like Queen's Trial, you know? Like, final level. But, like, anyhow, <laughs> they're fighting. Cal and Mary are losing, but then they start winning because they are the main characters. Oh, and I forgot to mention, but before the fight, Lucas got executed. That was sad. I liked Lucas, even though he did not participate much in the book either. Therefore, I was not heartbroken when he died. I was just like, this is too bad. But well, back to the fight. Cal and Mer are now winning. Mer can use her powers and she's super badass, but there's so much you can do when you are two against basically everyone. So when she knows she's about to die, a hand pulls her and Cal from behind and they disappear into the thin air. When she wakes up, she's on her way to the Scarlet Guard lair. And you won't believe me, but surprise, guess? 
guess who is there in the small vehicle with Carl fairly and freaking killer and because he had to be there. Surprise, surprise, it is as if I had not foreseen it since the beginning, the prodigal son and favorite brother, Shane Burrows. He was like, he was the one who saved them since his powers is teleportation. Pretty dope. That is how he survived being executed. Oh, and Cal is handcuffed. He could escape easily, but he's just so done with the world and his family. I mean, his brother is a psycho and he just killed his father because of his evil stepmother. So, like, there's not much he has left there. So, he's just there chilling and waiting to see what happens. On their way to the lair, Mary gets like, We need to find the others like me and defeat the Silvers and Maven who broke my heart so I hate him now and then she makes eye contact with Carl and she knows they share this hatred for Maven this just means they're going to work together during the second book to defeat Maven and even if they hate each other now although Loki they still love each other they are going to work together and I am sure 100% sure that they will go from hate to love Again, since Maven was more present in the first book, this is time for Carl to have more screen time. And I bet freaking Killorn is also gonna have more screen time. How exasperating. I am not looking forward for that. Now, I have this burning question. Why are they going to the lair that they know Maven knows what it is? Like, he's going to catch them. He's not stupid. In fact, he and his mother are clearly the most intelligent ones in this book. So, I don't know. I guess I will see it once I read the second book. Also, why did not Elara kill Carl when he was a toddler? She could have faked an accidental death. Why did she takes so long was it just for fun to have a more dramatic moment later on i don't know i hope this gets answered in the following books okay guys this podcast is finally coming to an end before it is time to say goodbye i will give you my overall opinion on this book i found it nice to read the story is interesting and engaging however i feel like the love story was lacking as i mentioned throughout this episode i don't feel like mary talked much with call nor maven and mostly call so i don't understand why they all had so many strong feelings towards each other. Plot-wise, it was kind of predictable since the author kept bringing some stuff up like Shane and maybe being his mother's son, so you knew something was up there. Overall, I enjoyed enjoyed this book though. I will give it a 3.75 out of 5 stars and I just give it like I don't give it a 4 just because of the love story because I am reading these books because this is how I like live my love life throughout like fictional characters because let's be honest there's like 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 guys in like real world who are like as cool and like you know like special and handsome and have powers and like you know like just like in the book so that doesn't exist so this is how i live my love life so yeah since it is lacking here that's why i give it a 3.75 well 
Now, stay tuned for my next episode where I will talk about the sequel of this book. Most probably, I'm not sure. It will depend if I have enough time to finish it. I haven't started yet as I am recording this, so I hope I can finish it. If not, I'm going to do it about, uh, like, the next episode is going to be about Crave from Tracy Wolf, the book that I read before this one. Thank you all so much if you made it until the end of this podcast that I believe is going to be super long. I will really, really appreciate it if you like give it like could give my podcast a like or if you could comment and subscribe um, so it can reach more young adult novels fans. Thank you all so much and I will talk to you next week or in two weeks. It depends on how much university work I have, but I will try to make one episode per week.